known as the Book of Signs. And as we continue our journey engaging Moses' story of faith and life, um, today in just a minute or two when we get to Exodus chapter 4, there were signs that God um, uh, displayed uh, with and for Moses um, to say, I am with you, I am with you, I am with you. I mean, sometimes we are alone when God meets us and radically changes the course of our lives. That was certainly the case with Moses. After growing up in the community of the king of Egypt, Moses ran away by himself in the wilderness in order to avoid the consequences of having acted unwisely in anger. Though he attached himself to a family in a foreign land, Moses' work took him further out into the wilderness. There, while he was alone, except maybe for a few sheep around him, right? God spoke to Moses, as we learned last week, from what? The burning bush. God told Moses to go to Pharaoh and bring God's own people out of Egypt. And Moses was like, say what? But as I think we're beginning to understand, this was God's calling for Moses. This was Moses' calling. God directed. God ordained. And understandably, as we've been learning, Moses uh, answered, who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Moses was no longer a person of influence in the Egyptian court. As we mentioned last week, for almost 40 years, he was tending sheep, his father-in-law's Jethro's sheep. God, of course, saw Moses quite differently than Moses saw himself. God responded to the who am I question by Moses by making a profound statement that we all need to hear even today. What did God say to Moses? I will be what? With you. I will be with you. And this shall be a sign for you that it is I who send you to Pharaoh. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. Moses asked Who am I? And God answered in effect, you are someone I will be with. That's who you are, Moses. And friends, if there's a takeaway from this morning, it's to be reminded once again, not from my words, but from God's word, that God promises to be with you wherever you are in your journey of life and faith. When God told Moses to go to Egypt to set God's people free, Moses asked, who am I? God's answer pointed not to Moses' talents or background, but rather to God's own presence. I will be with you. What God once said to Moses, God also says to us, friends, When we wonder if we can make it, when we feel exhausted or overwhelmed. Anybody ever feel exhausted or overwhelmed? When we worry that our resources are too few, God says what? I am with you. What could be better than having the God of the universe with us? Think about that for a second. The God of the universe makes a promise to each of us that what? I will 
be with you. Here's some wonderfully good news. What God once said to Moses, God now says to you, to me. How is God with you? Well, God's with us, friends, in so many ways. God is is with us through Jesus, who is fully God and fully human. God is with us through the written word of God. God is with us through the indwelling and presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, even our human relationships can be ways in which we experience the good news of God's presence with us. God uses one another. There's a purpose for community. And this good news can embolden us to serve God all of the days of our life with boldness and with courage. And so, friends, I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 4 today. Remember, we kind of left off last week in the middle of Exodus chapter 3, and Moses had already said two objections. The first one was just totally honest. You know, who am I? Where did this come from? Where did this come from, God? Who am I to go to Pharaoh? And then Moses started with a list of questions at, that's going to, we're going to jump right into it in Exodus chapter 4. The first question, though, in Exodus chapter 3 is, you know, if I go with your blessing, Lord, to Pharaoh, what what if they ask me, who is this God or who is this God that sent you? I am who I am, right? And so Exodus chapter 4, verse 1 begins with another Moses question. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied, most likely a shepherd's crook. I would argue 40 years with sheep, he probably had a shepherd's crook, right? The Lord said, throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into the staff of his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that you may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. And it's a very interesting thing that pharaohs, usually on their crown, had the image of what? A snake. Um, so that was a sign of authority and that the power was with them. So very interesting that God uses what? A, a staff turned the snake and a snake turned back to the staff. Verse 6, second sign. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It became as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and then he took it out, and it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it out on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Now you would think there would be a different response. (laughs) 
I'm not beating up on Moses because I can so quickly identify. What does Moses reply to all this? Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Right back in to the list of why, God, this is not my calling. (laughs) The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. (laughs) He's desperate now. (laughs) Please send someone else. Now, how many of you have ever said that to, maybe not as something as going to the president or the pharaoh, But that's the title of the message today because that's just, I think if we're being honest, we have all said that at one time or place to God or or maybe our family member or boss or coworker, please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak, and I will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. And then I love how we'll end here today. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. Moses, Moses, Moses. And we might say our own names, Brian, 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 or whatever your names are. We continue to look at the life and leadership of Moses. We see that God called him to a very particular and challenging work. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Namely, to set God's people free from Egypt. But God did not call Moses to do it alone. Not only did God remind Moses that I will be with you, when he finally said, can you just send someone else? I think we get a beautiful picture of why we need one another. God is not going to have Moses doing it alone Aaron is going to come and be with him. And in Exodus 4, a little later in this conversation that that Moses has had with God now that has been started in chapter 3, Moses expresses his hesitation to what God had told him to do. The problem from Moses' point of view was that he was not an adept or experienced speaker. Thus he said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor even now, that you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. Moses, in his wildest dream, friends, cannot imagine himself speaking confidently and persuasively to convince the Pharaoh to let the Israelites go from Egypt. But God says not only... Am I going to be with you, Moses? I'm going to get really specific. I'm even going to be with your mouth. (laughs) I'm going to be specifically with 
your mouth. But Moses is still hesitant. Even the promise of God's presence and instruction doesn't motivate him to accept God's calling. So Moses says quite bluntly, Oh my Lord, please send someone else. Now, we could all get critical and judgmental at Moses at this point. The promise of God's presence and help isn't enough for him. He's not exactly a model of faithfulness in this moment. Honestly, though, I can relate to Moses quite easily. And maybe you can, too. Though God has never spoken to me audibly or through a burning bush, there have been many times in my life when God has asked me to do something that felt probably risky or outside my comfort zone. My belief that God would present me with be present with me no matter what wasn't quite enough for me to say yes to God. I needed more help, divine help. And quite honestly, so did Moses. The amazing grace and patience of God with all of us. Would you agree that God is patient with you? (laughs) Would you agree that God is patient with you, with all of us? Uh, God is so patient. When Moses tried to get out of the job to which God was calling him, God could have taken it personally. After all, Moses was saying, in effect, that God's presence and power and promises of signs were not enough for him. We're told that God was, in fact, angry with Moses, but God didn't rebuke or reject him. Rather, God graciously supplied human partnership for Moses that was going to address any concerns that Moses could raise about his verbal shortcomings. And if we would all take a minute to look back over our lives, how many times could you identify that God has done similar things for us? I realize that God's ways are often mysterious and that sometimes God doesn't supply what we need at the time in which We need it. Nevertheless, I do believe that no matter what you are facing today, friends, even when you say, God, just send somebody else to do it, please, no matter how overwhelming it might feel, no matter how limited you might see yourself, there is good news. First, God is with you to help you. Is that clear in this scripture from Moses for all of us today? Is that clear? (laughs) God's promise of presence. We can shake our fist and say, where are you, God? We can have doubts and fears, but God is gracious. I will be with you. I hope that comes to mind as we go about our daily lives by God's grace this week. I pray that God's spirit would indwell within you that phrase, I will be with you. And God is with us in so many different ways. And the beauty and the challenge is God uses others to be with us. When God calls friends, it is a very big deal. When God calls, it's a huge deal. We're not all called to the same thing, are we? 
But when God calls, it's a huge deal. God called Moses to be who he was, but he was also calling him to become something that he was not yet. We're a work in progress. Thanks be to God. Moses was being called to be a leader who would bring God's people out of bondage. Moses did not yet see himself as that kind of leader God knew him to be. Thus the questions, thus the doubts, thus the fears. It is possible that Moses thought of himself more of a man of action than as someone with the kind of verbal, eloquent prowess that could go and just request before the king, to let God's people go. But God was at work in Moses' life, calling him to be who God had ordained him to be. Questions and all. Now, the term calling, right? Or I've been called. (laughs) I believe that can be a much abused word today. In the church, it can be a little more than a pious euphemism for doing what we feel like doing. I've been called to do this, so get out of my way. (laughs) Right? That's an extreme example. But what, what is the biblical idea of calling? Calling is is highly relational. Not only is God with us, but a calling means there's others that are willing to join you in the journey with many different gifts and abilities. It's not a one-person show. A calling is highly relational. It's initiated by God. It's initiated by God. And it, it does demand our attention. Now, as I said last week, maybe we... None of us here have had the burning bush experience, right? But God uses other people and situations, and as we spend time in his word, I believe God can work through the power of the Holy Spirit to to further define and give us and guide us in our calling. Now, in, in the New Testament... The idea of calling is almost synonymous with salvation and the life of faith itself. How fitting for Reformation Sunday. Christ alone, faith alone, scripture alone, for God's glory alone. We're called first and foremost by God's grace to be children of God. That's our first calling. And what a gift of grace. Thank goodness that list of my sins and your sins doesn't stand in the way of God moving in a powerful way. That's our calling. Friends, you have objection to how God is using you in your life, no matter how young or how old you are. Every day is a gift. And God's using you, friends to be his light and his love. You have objections, I have objections, but God answers Moses' objections and ours with variations on a single theme. The promise of what? Don't forget it. God's presence. I will be with you. I will be with you. I mean, I honestly hope it wakes you up at three in the morning this week and you can blame it on, not me, but God. (laughs) 
Some of us need to hear, no matter what time of day or whenever you wake up, that what? I am with you. When Moses asked, well, what if they won't believe me? Thus the beginning of chapter 4 this week. What if they won't believe me? God's answer was to give him more signs. When Moses mentioned his feelings of inadequacy, God said, who gave you your capacity for speech in the first place? Who made your mouth? I will be with your mouth and I'll teach you what to say. The answer to all of Moses' concerns about why anyone would follow him was simple. The people will follow you because you have met me. Because you know my name deep in your being. That is what qualifies you to be the leader I'm calling you to be. And that is why people will be willing to follow you right out of the place they have known for so long into this place that is going to be brand new, Moses. That's why. Because you have met me and known me. And some of us need to hear that again today. You know, I came across a couple cute stories that I'll end with. Is that okay? I don't use the word cute very much, but I think they're cute. (laughs) About God's calling. It may not be what we think it to be. But it's still a calling. And kids teach us this, right? Jamie was trying out for a part in the school play. His mother told us, just imagine she's telling you right now, okay, that he'd set his heart on being in it, though her fear was that he would not be chosen to have any part in the school play. So on the day the parts were awarded, Guess what? Jamie rushed up to her, eyes shining with pride and excitement. He said, guess what, Mom? He shouted. And then those words that will remain a lesson to me, his mom said, I've been chosen to clap and cheer for the, cl- the, the play. He didn't make it to be one of the actors or actresses, right? But what was his calling to be? An encourager. An eyewitness account from New York City on a cold day in December some years ago, a little boy about 10 years old was standing before a shoe store on the roadway, barefooted, peering through the window and shivering with cold. A lady approached the young boy and said, my, but you are in such deep thought staring in that window. I was asking God to give me a pair of shoes, was the little boy's reply. The lady took him by the hand, went into the store, asked the clerk to get about a half dozen pair of socks. She then asked if she could have a basin of water and a towel, and that store clerk quickly brought them to her. She took the little fellow to the back part of the store, removing her glove, knelt down, washed his little feet, dried them with the towel. By the time the clerk had returned with the socks, she had placed a pair upon the boy's feet, She purchased for him a brand new pair of shoes. She gave him the remaining pairs of socks and patted him on the head and said, I think you'll be much more comfortable now. And as she turned to go, the astonished little boy caught her hand, looked into her face with tears in his eyes and asked, Are you God's wife? Friends, none of us are called to be God's wife. (laughs) 
But we are called, just like Jesus from the scripture that Roger read, went to that solitary place to confirm, to engage his calling. And yes, at the time in Mark, it was to heal people and to set people free from demons. That's what he was called to do. But some of us in a still quiet place need to allow ourselves to remember the time when you first began to sense God's call on your life. Remember that moment. And maybe it was a moment like Moses's when you heard God speak deep into your heart with great clarity. Or perhaps you sense of call, perhaps your sense of calling grew in strength and conviction over time. But friends, all of us have been given the gift of today. And I humbly ask, is there any place where you are resisting God's call? That who God has made you to be, you might put it in the first person. Is there any place where I am resisting who I am or have lost touch with who I am? Where am I wrestling with God and needing assurance of his presence in my life? That can be an honest question that you have. And my prayer is, when I have those moments, when you have those moments, are we willing to say yes to God again and say, I'm willing to wrestle again. God can take it. Moses had at least five questions. In fact, Moses ended up, can you just send somebody else? And if God's calling you to it, God's promise of presence with you and the others he brings into your life will be very, very real. I believe it to be so. Whatever God's call is on your life, may it be for his glory and the benefit of others. Amen? Amen. So, dear Jesus, thank you for allowing us to be real and honest before you and one another. Even in today, even in the midst of today's challenges in our own personal and family lives, even in the midst of questions and doubts and fears, Lord, you are at work in calling us to be who you've made us to be. Thanks for never giving up. Thanks for never leaving us nor forsaking us. And for people who are struggling near and far, in the midst of violence, in the midst of war, in the midst of loss. God, reassure them that your promise of presence is very real. That you are the solid rock, the firm foundation upon which we, they, can trust and place their faith and hope. And assure us, assure us that you are in control. Lord, thank you for your gracious invitation to follow where you lead us. And thank you for the signs that you do give us and forgive us when we just ask another question. Lord, you can do far more abundantly than we can ever ask or even imagine. 
And Lord, as we look to our right and to our left this morning and look to our front and to our back, Lord, we may know those people right close to us. We may have no idea who they are. But thank you for your koinonia spirit that allows us to continue to wrestle with the call to invite all people, to to invite everyone to grow into a Christ-centered life in God's family. And that takes hard work, time, talent, and treasure. We've been given today. And by God's grace, you'll lead us into tomorrow. But also give us those moments of stillness and quiet to explore how we fit into the peace of your mission and ministry in 2023 and beyond. This we pray as your children of God, your disciples, who you've taught to pray, say.